maybe just 30 minutes on Petrino might be better. <laughs> or Mike Elko getting like the greatest contract of all time. Yeah, oh my God. That contract's insane. He's a good coach too. I thought he'd be a, I thought he was a good hire, is a good hire, but then I saw the contract. It's like, what are you doing? A&M is wildly out of control. Fucking crazy. Yeah, go ahead and start the podcast. We, we, we don't right. need to... We got. We have a lot to talk about. Are we? What's have... happened in two weeks? Okay, we don't. We don't have time for an intro. It's important. It's conference championship week, and there's a lot of crazy shit happening. I'm Tom. I'm here with Dan and Ryan. Dan, Bobby Petrino, go. Well, he's back. Arkansas has gone completely hog wild, so to speak. And uh, first, they fired their offensive coordinator. Then their team quit in their last game of the season, and a bunch of players transferred out. Sam Pittman somehow gets to stay, and they said, we need to fix our offense. Who should we bring in? There's a lot of good options out there. You got um, the guy at UNLV. He's got a great system. Uh, You got a bunch of other guys deserving. But sometimes in life, it's easier to go with something that you're familiar with over the right decision. And Arkansas opted for a familiar face, a red, uh, red-faced man from sliding on the con on the pavement of Bobby Petrino. They brought him back. Um, college football, it really is the gift that keeps on giving. Not to. Uh, quote uh, National Lampoon's Thanksgiving whatever Um, it really is amazing and the fact that Petrino is back is um, so good and I'm not saying it's appropriate or correct it's just funny and I'm really looking forward to uh, watching Arkansas next year without KJ Jefferson and hopefully he goes to what you guys talked about uh, today we he'll text or whatever maybe he goes to Florida uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, Petrino's back, which gives us hope that anyone can come back, including Steven Garcia, who might come back for another year of college football. He's been drinking in a shed for the last 10 years, loosening that arm up and he's ready. So uh, we can talk about Petrino or Steven Garcia or, or, or it doesn't matter to me. Uh, Ryan, go right ahead. Oh, well, you said all there is to say about the leader of the pack, Mr. Mr. Harley Davidson Petrino himself. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if I can put Sam Pittman on the tarmac this week because he's clearly not getting fired uh, because they can't fire him because he did the Sean McDermott move of – get rid of anyone on staff who could possibly replace you as the head coach. So you're safe. This oh. is the McDermott approach mm-hmm. where he gets mm-hmm. rid of Leslie Frazier and then gets rid of Dorsey. And he's like, we're good here. No one else can take this job. I uh, hang on. I cannot disagree more. I will wager anything that Bobby Petrino will be interim coach of Arkansas roughly week five next year. And Pittman will be left not on a tarmac, but because it's motorcycle themed. What's the name of that giant motorcycle convention in South Dakota? Sturgis. Yeah, he'll be he'll be Sturgis tar- rally. <laughs> Is he'll be tarmacked at Sturgis? <laughs> oh, Petrino. Petrino will be the next coach of Arkansas. Mark it down right now. 
which one of you fellas would like to talk about Mike Elko, uh, coach of d- beloved Duke football and new A&M coach with his outrageous contract? Go ahead, Brian. You're the coaching guy. I don't have much. I mean, this is what happens, right? Like when you date the crazy chick and then you break up, you go with like the safe chick next. You don't go two crazy chicks in a row. And so A&M can't go with, with the same old Jimbo kind of replacement. They had to go the complete opposite direction. So they get the defense guy, the tough minded guy, but more importantly, the team builder guy. That's where Jimbo failed. Jimbo never developed any type of identity at AM. Like they never really had a true identity. And I think this is that's the one thing I think Elko can do is bring, you know, some team building to AM. And I mean, Jimbo did all the work. He brought in a million five stars. Now it's just a matter of can you mold it? And let's see what he can do. Next story, moving aside from coaching, breaking news that apparently in the last three years, Connor Stallions purchased 27 tickets to 27 games in the state of Ohio. He did this on his own on an entry level salary. Michigan are definitely not cheaters. And you know, they're not cheaters because they got caught and they still won a game. So as we all know, if you stop cheating and you win, that means you never cheated at all. It's the New England Patriots theory, which is it really uh, well. I mean, Tom Brady's a Michigan man. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a funny kind of caveat on that on the um, uh, on the YouTube um, uh, pizza uh, things that the guy from Barstool. Uh, has he did three pizza reviews in Michigan last week, and in all three, Connor Stallions makes an appearance in the background without saying a word, which is kind of funny because he's a big Michigan guy and he's upset about this whole thing. So he's like in front of a pizza place eating pizza. In the background, you see a guy with sunglasses and a Michigan hat, and someone figured out they're like, Oh my god, he hired Stallions to do it three times in a row. On the same day, so Stallions probably made more money from those three videos than he did from the alleged career that allowed him to buy, you know, 35 tickets to different games in different cities. But that is great. Uh, It's so weird. But of all the people related to Michigan, I feel that Connor Stallions is the most sympathetic. He's the one that comes off looking kind of cool and good. I know. Somehow Uh, it's a it's a total travesty. Yeah. I, the best move ever would be for Ohio state or Penn state to just hire him as like a, you know, quality control assistant, not have him actually do anything, but just have him come out for like the coin flip against Michigan next year. That's pretty smart. I like that. Or maybe a Jonathan Smith over at Michigan state. That can be his first move, his first hire. Can we talk about him for a second? Yes. Yes, we can. He told the team the day before the Oregon game that he's taken the job and he huddled them all like, huh? How does that work? And you you called this Dan. I mean, you said last week or our last show, you said, watch out for coaches who already have like one eye out the door that they're going to mail it in or that their teams Mm -hmm. will not get the best performance. 
and we were thinking about other coaches, but, um, you know, he sort of did that. It was him uh, on Friday, and it was somebody else on Friday did the same thing. We said that about um, Lance Leopold. Um, he didn't. He did oh, not do that. Arkansas completely quit on Friday against Missouri. That happened, and oh yeah, UTSA's coach, uh, who's allegedly going to leave too. He they look terrible against Tulane. Like they they scored like a touchdown on their first possession and then like in garbage time, their last possession. And like Frank Harris and that offense never moved the ball. I'm a little pissed because I took the over and it was a loser, but uh, yeah, the coaches, uh, they mailed it in and Oregon state, like, and like we were talking about this a little bit, Oregon state and Washington state are both completely screwed. Uh, no one's going to stay on those teams because they're not in a conference. Like the, they're never going to be any good, maybe ever again. Um, this isn't just like, oh, yeah, well, maybe they'll find a conference and they'll be fine. No, like, they're all going to leave. All the players are going to leave. The assistant coaches are all gone. They're going to be uh, UNLV-esque here. Well, actually, UNLV is good. They won't we'll be that good. Later. No, they'll be like New Mexico, not state, regular New Mexico. That's what they're going to be like. By the way, we praised New Mexico State a few weeks ago before they knocked off Auburn. I'd completely forgotten that Jerry Kill was their coach. I just knew they were playing well. But now that I know that, I'm picking them against whoever they play the rest of the year, whoever they get in a bowl. Well, if you want to start the lines, we can start right there. Uh, Yes. I want to play a game with you guys. We'll do it at the end of the show. Don't let me forget. It's called the, uh, sure. the Jalen Hurts game. So remind me of that okay. at the end. But let's get into Sounds the lines because this is a college football show. So let's go. All right, um, Conference USA Championship. New Mexico State against Liberty in Liberty, or at Liberty, Lynchburg, Virginia. Liberty minus 11, total 56 and a half. These teams met week two, way back on like September 7th. Uh, Liberty won 33-17. Okay, I'll start this one. I've watched a lot of both of these two teams because they were on midweek on ESPN and allowed for gambling opportunities. Liberty is like the same team, like the past like four or five years where they have like an undefeated ish regular season. And then they like lose like their last game or two of the year. This year they're undefeated. I've seen them actually look really good in some spots and some like awful spots too. Like they played against Sam Houston, who's like the worst team in college football and they were losing to them in the, in the fourth quarter. But anyway, keep this real short. Jerry kill plus uh, Mr. Pavia at quarterback. Give me the 11 points. I think New Mexico state has all the motivation and can keep it close. If not win outright. I've been talking about Pavia here for a month. Um, kids got, all kinds of talent and scrambles. He's very much like Cam Ward, uh, smaller dude, but always seems to make the right play. Um, I would lean in over, but I'm not 100% sure. But give me Pavi in the 11, and if I lose, so be it. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. It's That's way too many points. I think these teams are basically even. Um, throw out the week two. That was a million mile. Like That was a year ago, basically, week two. So, like... Yeah, who's playing better right now? And I think it's New Mexico State. So, you know, I'll take the 11, but I think the money line is probably the the play I like the best. See, 
Well, I tipped my hand earlier. I'm with you. I'll take the points. I'm not going to go money line, but I think there's a decent shot. They went out right. And there's going to be some good quarterbacks in the portal. And I'm looking at the sec as a place where a lot of QBs are leaving or a lot of teams will need a QB next year. LSU, Florida, A&M guys like Cam Ward, Pavia, uh, Who's the other quarterback? Well, Jefferson, perhaps within the SEC. These guys are going to fetch. <laughs> well, Garcia. Oh, sorry. sorry, Garcia. Sorry. Rattler is oh. Rattler coming back, or does he ha- actually have to leave now? He's going pro. He he he's announced that he's going to the NFL draft. But Stephen Garcia should go to Arkansas. We, and then we should get season tickets. That that's what should happen. But that that would anyway, be awesome. Continue. You br- yes, hey, listen, bring him back. You brought back Petrino. Arkansas can be the team of like old yep. washed up reruns. It'd be like uh, 2011, like SEC all over again. It's like Petrino talking to Garcia. We're like, wait a minute. This already happened. Um, KJ. Yeah. There's a lot of quarterbacks moving around. Uh, Riley. What, what I'm saying is like, there, yeah, there's going to be some like big money NIL deals thrown around to get these like five or six high-profile QBs, and I think the SEC teams especially are going to be in the mix. There's some uh, rumors that Ohio State might uh, go after Texas's backup, um, Malik Murphy, um, and because they don't, they're not sure if McCord has it or not. And but everyone loves everyone loves Murphy, um, even the coaches of well, obviously the coaches of Texas are going to say that, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. So we can Murphy's gone. We'll, we'll, we'll find. We out. can talk about that later, but like. We assume Arch Manning's going to get the start, right? We talked about this. Is Quinn Ewers going to go pro? No. So why not go after him? I don't know. It's there. There's. It's very shady. I'm not sure what's going on with the Texas quarterback situation. All three of them. Ewers, Ewers uh, is going pro. Ewers, Ewers you think so? Go, yeah, because he'll okay. be a top. He'll be. He'll go in the top three rounds. Okay. I have no idea. All right, let's move on to the important Friday night game, Dan. And you're going to kick us off with this one because you've been waiting for this your whole life, like Phil Collins. Yeah, I got got a lot to talk about here. Uh, Oregon-Washington Pac-12 title game, Vegas Stadium, turf, indoor, Oregon minus 9.5, total 65.5. These two teams met about six, seven weeks ago. Washington won by three. Uh, Oregon went for it on fourth down three times and came out unsuccessful. I got a lot to talk about here, so uh, please bear with me. So everyone loves Oregon. Um, the media is in love with Oregon. Bo Nix has been incredible. He's got 37 passing touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, about a 35, 40% chance he wins the Heisman. Um, they got two great wide receivers. They got a great running back, uh, Dan Landon coming from Georgia. Um, on the field, the past half of the year, they've since the Washington game, they've crushed everyone they've played, blown them out badly. Um, at the same time, they did lose to Washington. They did get lucky against Texas Tech earlier in the year, where Texas Tech had the ball past midfield with the chance to win the game, and they threw a pick six. Um, with the backup quarterback, uh, if they lose that game to Texas Tech, th- th- this th- this this game's irrelevant for Oregon. Um, you got quarterback Bo Nix. Uh, we know about him at Auburn. He's transferred to Oregon. Bo Nix zero and seven all time against the top twenty five team on the road. 
Um, he did win a neutral site game, if you remember, as Auburn quarterback against Oregon way back in the day on the first week of the year. I think it was the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl or whatever that was. Flip to the Washington side. They have found a way to win, obviously, all year. They're 12-0. and A lot of people not happy with their style points. They've had a rash of injuries and fluke stuff. Uh, running back uh, Dylan Johnson, for sure, is banged up. Penix, I'm pretty sure, has broken ribs. Um, Jalen Polk hasn't caught a pass in two weeks and suddenly uh, has uh, stone hands. McMillan came back last week, which was nice to see him catch a couple screens. Rome is still an absolute stud. The one uh, thing here is Washington's defense has really improved as the year went on. Um, They got a bunch of uh, NFL talent on the defense, and they haven't really shown out, but recently they have. They got a massive defensive lineman as a run stopper. Uh, Obviously, Trice's linebacker is phenomenal, and they have a shutdown corner as well. Um, If you look at what Washington's given up, um, they've only given up something like 20 points in the fourth quarter combined over the last seven games, which is pretty crazy when you think about them playing Oregon and USC and Oregon State and Washington State. So really interesting. Um, Okay, a couple things. I got a little bit of hot water this week on Twitter, and I need to talk about that, or on X. So there was this thread. It asked for your prediction for the game, your prediction. What is my prediction for the game? Okay. I think Washington's going to find a way to win, but X's and O's doesn't make any sense. Oregon probably has got a better defense. Their quarterback's playing better. The running back's healthy. Their two wide receivers are probably superior to Rome right now. Everything leans Oregon. But I think back to times in college football history where teams who probably should have won lost, and how did it happen? How about Colt McCoy? In the national title game, falling on his shoulder, getting hit, separated shoulder, Texas loses to Alabama. How about Sam Bradford at Oklahoma on turf, landing on his shoulder? So on Twitter, for the prediction, I simply write, 27-19 Washington, Bo Nick separated shoulder second quarter. That's all I wrote. It's just a prediction. It's a prediction. The presidential election next year The man who I'm predicting to win is not the person who I want to win. When Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day predicted when the aliens were going to strike, he wasn't happy that they were going to strike. It was just a prediction. I've gotten a lot of hate from the Oregon fan base over the past 48 hours. Like, a hundred messages. Like, Marcus Vick levels times a hundred. This is gotten out of control. Yeah, well, I'm still blocked by him. The Oregon people are like, you are classless, wishing an injury on someone. I'm like, I didn't do that. And I try to be nice about it. I'm like, you know, I'm just, I don't want that to happen. They weren't having it. Uh, some Washington fans picked it up and they're like, this guy doesn't represent our, our uh, fan base. Oh I'm like, <laughs> so everyone like there's like memes people are sending me with like, you're a real dick and all this stuff. It got wildly out of control. Um, anyway, it seems to have died down in the past four hours. So that's good. As we get closer to this game, hopefully I won't be uh, getting hate messages on X. Thanks, Elon. Anyway, that leads me to my prediction of this game. And I'm not going to back down from my prediction. I'm going to stand by it. Bo Nick separated shoulder second quarter, 27-19 Washington. 
I just feel like that Bo Nix is cursed. And I don't know how Washington's going to win this game, but I got a weird feeling something's going to happen. And I just, I don't, I can't explain it, but I just feel like some fluke play is going to happen. And they're like, Bo Nix is down. And then it's going to be this game where Oregon still is competitive with a backup, but Washington finds a way. And then Washington gets a month off to rest up and heal up for the playoff. But that's my prediction. Uh, moral of the story, don't write anything semi-questionable on X that morons can't um, uh, interpret correctly. Then another, some other guy was talking about Penix, like, well, I hope the Penix breaks his ribs and he can't breathe, and people went after him. But the only thing that saved me, by the way, was earlier today, they interviewed an Oregon defensive lineman, and they said, what's your goal for Saturday? And they said, this simple line, he said, my goal is to take Penix out, period. And thank God that happened. Got some heat off of yours truly. And uh, that's some definite bulletin board material for Penix. Someone also threatened me and said that Dan Lanning's going to see my tweet, which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, Good. I have 200 followers, bro. I don't think Dan, Dan Lanning's seeing anything from me. Um, anyway, Washington, 27-19, due to a miraculous injury, Bonex, wish you the best seeing the draft and Huskies onto the playoff. That's my prediction. Ryan, take it away. Well, that certainly was a mouthful. Um, <laughs> not a not a lot of. A, We've been talking about the Pac-12 all year, Ryan. You couldn't expect anything less. Um, yeah, I mean Dan Dan covered a lot of stuff there, and. Um, I'm going to agree with the Washington pick. I'm going to say 38-34 is my prediction. Um, I think the conditions are going to be perfect inside, so that's not going to be an issue. I think the turf might help a little bit with um, the receivers. I mean, Polk has got to get some catches here. Get him out of the rain. He just can't handle it. He needs he needs good weather. So that's good let's, hope, let's hope he doesn't get drafted by, uh, you know, Cleveland or Buffalo or uh, you know even like Cincinnati Pittsburgh can't have it. Rome can handle it. I've seen Rome in snow in rain. Can't wait for Rome to be a bill. It's going to be the best. When they draft him, I'm going to go ape shit. I can't wait. Um. Anyways, I think that they are going to give the largest horse tranquilizer to Dylan Johnson's foot in the history of college football. And that will be the difference in this game is that Dylan Johnson will be Superman all hopped up on some special sauce. And he's the key for this team. 38, 34 Washington. See, yeah, I've got a lot to say, but I'm trying to think where to start. Everything you said, Dan and Ryan, both of you is correct. And um, the fact that Oregon's favored on paper makes sense because of all the reasons you laid out, Dan. I thought nine or is it it's up to nine and a half now I'm seeing. That is a disrespectful line. Yeah, disrespectful. I, I, I thought that was insane. Um, here's what I want to do. I tease something called the Jalen Hurts game. I want to play this game now because uh, you'll see why in a minute. So I'm going to ask you guys. Imagine that you guys are the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles and you're getting calls from other GMs offering straight up trades, 
your quarterback for their quarterback. You don't have to worry about contracts. You don't have to worry about draft picks, anything else. Just who would you rather have right now? You're the Eagles GM. We'll start with an easy one. You get a call from the Chiefs GM. Hurts for Mahomes straight up. Would you make the trade as Eagles GM? Of course. Yes, but I need to think about it, but yes. Joe Burrow. Age. Joe Burrow for Hurts. Yes. yes, I make that trade. Lamar Jackson for Hurts. No. Yes. Josh Allen for Hurts. Yes. Yes. Trevor Lawrence for Hurts. No. Yes. Herbert for Hurts. No. No. I don't Cal- think Herbert's any good, by the way. Ca- put that Caleb out Williams, or you know, aka the number one pick for Hurts. No. I'm having a long conversation about it. Okay. I'm going to stop there. I think we get the idea. Hertz is right now the runaway MVP candidate and you guys, you know, depending on which one of you I ask would trade him straight up for five, six, seven different quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Now we're going to play the same game. You are, you run Oregon football and I know we don't do trades in college, but other colleges are calling you as part of the new NIL deal, straight up trades, Bo Nix for Jaden Daniels. I'm the Wait. Oregon GM. You're Oregon. Would you yeah, get yes, rid of yeah. Bo Nix to yeah. take Jaden Yeah, Daniels? two seconds. Okay. Yeah. Bo Nix for Caleb Williams. Yes. Yes. Bo Nix for Drake May. Yes. Yes. Bo Nix for Michael Penix. Yes. Yes. All right. I could go on, but I think you see the point here. Bo Nix, Heisman favorite, would easily be traded for five or six or seven guys right now. And so I'm going to ride with the team that no one appreciates, that's disrespected, that we have the quarterback that we all believe we'd trade straight up for Bo Nix, the guy who has shined in the biggest moments all year. Bo Nix, I mean, he's got a mixed bag. He's playing well, but we've seen him in big games, most big games. He has not risen to the occasion. He's a 12th year senior. We know what he is. Penix is my man. And I'm going with the best quarterback and the undefeated team in Las Vegas on the brightest stage. I know that the injuries are something we have to watch. And if, you know, Dylan Johnson isn't going to play or Penix truly is like um, revealed to have a serious injury, I might change my vote later in the week, but I'm going with the quarterback that I trust, the coach that I trust, the team that's shown it to us all year, the team of destiny, the Washington Huskies. Thank you, Tom. That was a very good segment. I, I enjoy that. I just find um, it I find it weird. I'm not trying to say like Jalen Hurts sucks or that Bo Nick sucks, but these guys that seem like runaway favorites for MVP and Heisman right now that we straight up would just take so many other guys over them. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Pretty crazy. Uh, the Pac-12 um, title game combined ages, age of the two quarterbacks, 46, mm-hmm. 23-year-olds. It's awesome. Let's hear it for old guys. That's right. 
Um, right, real take, quick. Take the points uh, endorses the Washington Huskies. We have all year. We're not going against them. And no. the fact that all uh, these people love Oregon and everyone on earth is betting Oregon, the line is this high. You know, I was starting to doubt Washington and think like Oregon, Oregon might actually be better. But now after seeing everybody, you know, uh, riding their dick, now I actually feel better about Washington, if that makes sense. The public is always wrong, Dan. Their opinion's always wrong, Tom. That's, um, that's correct. Real quick, a uh, little gambling side note. Uh, DraftKings sent me five uh, free wagers at the beginning of the year, and I used three of them on Jalen Hurts to win the MVP at 11-1. to 1. And the other two, I did a three-way parlay of Steelers over eight and a half wins, which is coming in because they're seven and four and they don't play any more good quarterbacks the rest of the year. Uh, Michigan to win the uh, Big Ten title game and Washington to win the Big Ten title game. That three-way parlay page 25 to one, by the way. So I could hedge this and bet the Oregon money line. But I'm not going to because Bo Nix is going to get hurt in the second quarter. So fuck them all. All right, let's go. Let me let me let's go on let me ask, I want to ask you guys one more quick thing um, because we've been talking a lot about Washington and making it seem like we don't like Oregon. But I I mean Oregon is a great great team. Do you guys think that there's any scenario where the Pac-12 gets left out of the playoff? No, none, zero. Okay. Second question. If we were actually selecting the four best teams in the country and we didn't have to worry about conference championships and all that, wouldn't both these teams be in? Yes, along with the two SEC teams, and that's it. All right, moving on. Although I think that the fifth best team is actually our Longhorns, which is still our team, by the way, and we're going to talk about them right now. I th- All right, I disagree, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Okay, well... I will make some points. Oklahoma State, Texas, Big 12 title game from Jerry's house in Arlington. Texas minus 15 and a half points. Total 54 and a half. Okay, so uh, Oklahoma State rebounded from their South Alabama blowout loss at home earlier in the year to uh, play much better throughout the year, finishing 9-3. and They did have that one stinker a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ollie Gordon has been... uh, incredible and maybe the best running back in the country. Texas, 11-1, one loss against Oklahoma, lost by three points and turned the ball over three times. They won without Quinn Ewers for a couple weeks. Texas has best defensive line in the country ahead of Georgia or Alabama. They have great wide receivers. They did lose their running back for the season, which is a killer, uh, but the backup seems to be just fine. Um, a little comparison for you, Oregon, one loss by three points, Texas, one loss by three points, Oregon's, uh, uh, highest ranked win this year is what Oregon state. They beat Oregon state ranked 11th or 12th. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Uh, USC at the time might've been ranked a top 10 team. Yeah. Uh, Texas beat Alabama. Uh, in Alabama by uh, double digits, only team ever to do that against Saban. They have one common opponent. Oregon beat Texas. Uh, Oregon beat uh, Texas Tech by five points late, and Texas beat Texas Tech by fifty last weekend. Um, 
that was also a super easy bet because you knew Sark knew the comparison thing with uh, Oregon against Texas Tech, and they were going to kill them, and they did. Uh, anyway, long story short, this Texas team is really good. This is the best Texas team we've seen since Vince Young, hands down. Um, it's not just skill players. Like, their lines are incredible. The play calling is phenomenal. Um, Quinn Ewers has been playing fantastic. I love their wide receivers. Their three defensive linemen um, remind me a lot of Clemson, like six, seven years ago. Um, Texas is actually underrated, and they should be the highest-ranked one-loss team, um, without a doubt. If they run the table, or, well, not run the table, if they win this game and don't make the playoff, whew, it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, that being said, I like Texas minus the 15 and a half. I know it seems like a lot of points. I don't think Ollie Gordon's going to get anything going. I think Texas's offense will uh, score a lot of points. And I think Sark knows style points. I think he's going to try to destroy them, like 58-17 type, type uh, destroy. So Texas and the over, bet them both. Bet the Texas team total especially. I think Texas scores 50 points. I really do. Um, hook them. Tom. I totally agree. I think that we talked about this many times. It's not the best top four team we'll get in the playoff era, but it's the best top eight we probably have had in the playoff BCS era. And somebody, if not multiple teams are really going to get screwed. Like you're going to get the best, one of the best teams to be left out of the playoff is going to happen this year. And it might be Texas and that sucks. I and this is, uh, it's a spoiler alert, but I'm kind of predicting it's just going to be a chalk weekend, which is going to make things really tough for the committee. And so I think Texas is going to win big. And then I don't like, I don't think that the games are going to make it easy on the committee where like a couple teams are going to lose. And then it's going to be obvious who gets in. Like, I think it's going to become down to a tough decision. So I think Texas is going to make it really tough on people by having a definitive win. Ryan. Um, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I'm looking at my take the points notebook here, gentlemen. And I can look back to September 18th tarmac report. We had Mike Gundy at number two on tarmac after his South Alabama loss. And I look at the following week, September 25th, Look at that. We got Mike Gundy still on the tarmac after losing to Iowa State, who had just lost to Ohio. So I cannot in good conscience, I know they're playing better, but I also know that I had Mike Gundy on the tarmac for two straight weeks, and it pained me to do it, and I thought it was justified. And for that reason, I cannot, I cannot predict his team to win. 45-24, Texas. Okay. Good stuff. Okay, we're going to go on to a huge game. Huge game. I got to work on Saturday because we have this charity tournament every fucking year on Conference Championship Saturday. But I am leaving early. It will be home for the start of this one. Um, Georgia, Alabama. SEC title game. Brian Keat is going to be there, so expect someone to get shorted at least one piece of chicken. Let's uh, see here. Georgia minus five and a half. Total 54 and a half. 
Well, Georgia's 12 and 0. They've done what Georgia's done the last two years. They've uh they've blown out everybody for the most part. They're extremely deep all positions. Georgia loves giving up the first touchdown of the game to the opponent. And I don't know if they're kind of like an evil cat who's just playing with their prey. Like a cat, if they see a squirrel, they just don't kill it. They like bat it around for a bit, you know, carry it in their mouth. I think that's what Georgia does. Like every game, we should just wager the other team to score first because they always do. Then Georgia's up 38-7. Like Tennessee... It's like seven nothing a minute in the game, crowd going crazy. You're like, don't worry, it will be twenty seven seven at half. That's Georgia, Carson Beck, Brock Bowers, Kirby Smart, <laughs> Alabama. Well, they played a Jordan Hare last week, and Jordan Hare has some weird voodoo. Um, Auburn coming off a bad loss to New Mexico State at home, getting absolutely blown out by them with Hugh Freeze as their coach and they play Alabama and they have the game won except they play the worst defense of all time on a fourth down play and they gave up a touchdown credit Milrow for throwing an absolute frozen rope in that situation um but the rushing two guys and they had a spy out on the play too which was even more stupid well uh, in case he runs on fourth and 31 yeah, just in case. So, you know, you don't want to pick up eight yards to get tackled at the 20. Um, Auburn choked the game away. Alabama wins. Alabama, let's talk about them. Struggled earlier in the year. Offense looked terrible. Milrow bench. They brought in that clown transfer from Notre Dame. He was even worse. Brought Milrow back. Alabama looked like an unstoppable force. They had a big hiccup last week, and now they get Georgia in the SEC title game. I want to go last. Ryan, start this one off. Uh, if I didn't say it, five and a half, total 54 and a half. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one for me. This is actually really, really hard. Um, I want to take Alabama. I think Alabama can win this game. But I just don't think they will. Um I think Georgia can make some plays in other places, not just offensively. I think they can make plays in special teams. They can make plays, you know, in defense, you know, definitely too. With Milrose, not, you know, he's not great. He's, he could definitely turn the ball over. So I think the, the big play for me is going to be the under. I think the under is the play for me in this game. I think it's going to be a low scoring game, two coaches that know each other well. I could see this being like 24-20 type of game. So probably take Georgia to win outright, but I think Alabama, the, the points is enticing. It's going to be close. Z. Yeah, I, so in terms of betting the game, I agree. The under seems the, the most intriguing. Basically, what, 28-27 or you know 34-20 to get that, 35-20. That seems like a little too much for these defenses. Milrow, I got to give him credit. We were pretty harsh on him early in the year, and he's been one of the most improved, if not the most improved player in all college football. He actually looks decent now, but he's not great, and he's not Bryce Young or anything like that. Even though Kirby Smart did something really clever when he compared him to, like, what do you say? He's, like, better than Tebow. He's, like, a bigger, stronger, faster Lamar Jackson which is like, 
that's really good because you're setting this guy up to fail. Basically you're not giving them any bulletin board material. It's actually, there's no name for it, but it's the opposite of bulletin board material where you're like, actually, I think Graham Mertz is better than Tebow. So it's a smart, it's a smart move by him to, um, you know, come into the game. I don't know, man. I mean, I picked Alabama in the beginning to win the championship. They've got immense talent all over the field. And I think there's a part of me and all of us in the whole country who just has never seen a three-time national champion in our life and doesn't want to admit that Georgia is still the best team. And like, there must be something going on. They're missing Stetson Bennett and the magic. And if you just watch the game, like Georgia's clearly the best team in the country. And I think I have to go with them and I don't like it. I would rather see Alabama win and have, um, you know, whatever occurs in the playoff from there. I think that opens up more possibilities for interesting teams to win it and, you know, not just have the like Georgia, Michigan slug fest in the final that I think we're getting, but I'll be rooting for Alabama, I think, but my money's going on Georgia. Okay, I have some thoughts. First of all, a question to you both. If Alabama earlier in the year had not played the University of Texas and played UAB, Ball State, or Tennessee Martin like Arkansas or like uh, Georgia, what would the spread of this game be with the two undefeated teams? I think it would still be three points. Like, I don't think it would be that much different. I think it would be Georgia minus three. Okay. Two. Right. Two. Yeah. I think it would be really close to a pick them. Uh, maybe Georgia minus a point and a half or two. I think that's right. Um, well, in order to make the selection on this game, we have to go back in history just two years ago, I think. Two years ago, uh, Bryce Young in Alabama went to Auburn with a loaded team of, you know, Jamison Williams, Brian Robinson, yada, yada. Um, that Alabama team was stacked. And they should have lost to Auburn, uh, a bad Auburn team. TJ Finley running around, uh, Tank Bigsby, um, just not a great Auburn team. But Alabama find, found a way to win. And then the next week they played number one ranked Georgia in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. What happened in that game? Bama hammered them, 41-24. Nick Saban in his coaching career in the city of Atlanta, his record is 16-0. He is 7-0 at Mercedes and Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Never lost a game there. And you're going to say five and a half points. This is my largest wager of the entire year, Alabama plus five and a half. I'm 85% sure they're going to win this game outright. And if they don't, they'll lose by three. But I like Alabama. I don't think Georgia's played anybody this year. I don't think the Georgia team's as good as the last two years. I don't know if Carson Beck can handle the spotlight. Give me Nick Saban. People are counting him out. Uh, I think he's still pissed. People think Kirby Smart's passed him. I love Alabama in this spot. Um, I like buying a team low after a close win, especially. Um, Big fan of Alabama in this game. I'm loading the clip big. Roll Tide. I've been um, listening to the committee as they released their um, rankings yesterday and they answer the media and they try to justify the picks and everything they say about 
they continually talk about the four best teams. It's the four best teams. Makes me believe that they are setting up a scenario where if Alabama wins, they will still put Georgia in the playoff. And so I think yeah. possible. I, I think that's what they're trying to set up and like they think it's possible and they want two teams right. in there. So I mean I guess if you're the only way Sorry, go ahead, Tom. Didn't cut you off. Go I was going to say, if you're Texas, you kind of want Alabama to win, right? Because then you're like, we beat Alabama. If they're in, we have to be in. But if you're everyone else, you just want Georgia to kind of win it so the SEC doesn't get two teams, right? Correct. Um, so things might get I real guess, weird depending on if yeah. Alabama can win this game. I mean, if Michigan's undefeated and Washington's undefeated and Florida State's undefeated and Alabama just beat Georgia – in order to put Georgia in, one of those other undefeated teams has to come up. And I wonder if that's what I'm saying. I, I think they're going to pull Florida, Florida State, State out. I, th- I, I think, think they there's will. A chance. I don't know. I kind of want to see it happen. I want to. I mean, Michigan's going to win, okay? And then we are we're predicting Washington to win if they pull it out. And then if Bama wins, that last game on Saturday night with Florida State is going to be so much tension because people have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, what a slate of college football coming up. Hang out with your whatever loved ones or children or call somebody on Thursday because there's th- Friday and Saturday. It's going to be like, I'll deal with that later. There's a lot going on. Okay, uh, real quick, I'll do a speed round of some lower-level conference championship games. Uh, just give me a pick, a side total, a sentence or two, if that. Let's just fly through it. Maction 2023, Miami. Toledo, Ford Field, Toledo minus eight, total 44 and a half. Brian. I like Toledo because their coach turned down Syracuse. (laughs) You know what? That's so funny because I was going to say almost exactly the same thing. I like Toledo and I think Cuse made a mistake not trying to get him, but I didn't know that he turned them down. Smart guy. Jeez, uh, I thought they just, I thought he was a candidate and they just went for the Georgia guy. I like it. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the over in this game. It's on turf. It's in uh, Ford Field. It's only 44 and a half. It's the Mac. Defenses aren't good. These two offensive score points. Absolutely. Also, that's another reason why Alabama is going to win. They're getting a late passing touchdown and we're going to text each other. Well, if the Georgia defensive backs coach wasn't preoccupied with that Syracuse job, they would have found a play to knock it down there. You know it's going to happen. He was too. He was up in Parsippany trying to steal Rutgers recruits. <laughs> so bad. Okay, Mountain West Championship, uh, Boise UNLV. This used to be like fifty nine nothing Boise State, but oh how times have changed. Boise minus two and a half, fifty eight and a half. Also from Vegas. That'd be a fun little uh, weekend in Vegas. You get to go to the two games in a row without the NFL involved, which is great. Um, Boise minus two and a half, 58 and a half. I'll take this one. Give me UNLV. Love their offense. Great energy. Uh, great coaching staff. Boise State still doesn't have a replacement for Andy fucking Avalos. He's gone. I think Hank Bachmeyer stinks still hanging around somehow. And um, why not? Let's get UNLV to 10 wins. I think that's a great story. So whatever. I'm betting UNLV. So be it. Ryan? Everything's pointing to UNLV. They're the the better team, better record, home, 
basically this is a home game for them for the most part. But here's the thing about up-and-coming teams, teams on the rise. Until you can actually slay the giant, I just I just can't buy it. Like Boise isn't Boise to us, but Boise I think is still kind of Boise to them. Like Boise is the team that always knocks them around. So I want to take UNLV. I think they're the better team, and everything's pointing in that direction. But I kind of I kind of have to see it before I can uh, believe it. So I'll take I'll take Boise. Understandable. Tom, any pick in this game? My pick is for the UNLV coach to leave and go to Penn State as the OC. It would be the best thing ever. Okay, uh, two more round-robin games. The American Athletic Championship, which does not feature UConn, is uh, SMU against Tulane. Tulane minus 3.5, total 47.5. Big news out of this game is SMU quarterback Preston Stone broke his leg last week against Navy, and they're replacing him with a true freshman quarterback. Um, I'll go real fast. I, I don't know how, how you can not wager on Tulane. The game's in New Orleans. They're playing a true freshman quarterback. The line's only three and a half. I know SMU's got a good running game and allegedly a good defense, and SMU's looked really great the last few weeks. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Tulane's tough. I, I, I watched that UTSA game on Friday, and – they're, they're no joke. So um, home game for Tulane, only three and a half. Lay it. Ryan? This might actually be my favorite bet of the entire the entire weekend is Tulane. I, I think Tulane absolutely smacks them in this spot. And I like SMU, like you said, Dan, a lot of respect. But I think Tulane's really good. Like, really good. See, any thoughts? Yeah, I have three bets I really like this week, and they're all coming right up. And this is the first one. Everything you said, Tulane at home, SMU injury, and um, Tulane in the running front runner if they win this, I think, for New Year's Six Bowl. So they have so much to play for. Especially right. when they see Liberty get beat by New Mexico State Friday because that's that's the only other team, right? They're undefeated. Yeah, I believe so. it's Liberty or Tulane will probably get that. and so Right. So if Liberty loses on Friday night, Bet the freaking house. Yeah. Like it's put, worth 20 million to that school. Yeah. Correct. And, and to be clear, like I would have picked Tulane at three and a half anyway, but all these factors make this one of my favorite picks. Oh my God. If New Mexico State wins, you can't make that number big enough for Tulane. Uh, my God. All right. Yep. I think, and that starts the same time as the Georgia Alabama game. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm gonna to have to invest heavily at the two o'clock slot. I might be, I might be out uh, looking for cans to recycle <laughs> at the grocery store, but we'll see. But one um, one nice thing about conference yeah. championship weekend and even sort of on Thanksgiving weekend is that with fewer games, YouTube TV cannot fuck up the four screen the way they have been all year. Yeah, I know they've had some terrible games. You're like, it's like Michigan against Penn State, and then like. Oklahoma against Kansas State. And then, uh, uh, like, Thousand. Yeah. Like, what? Like, Thousand? The average average four screen on YouTube TV is like, it's, it's, uh, 
Michigan, Ohio State on one, Auburn, Alabama on the other, Duke, Wake on the third one, and then an episode of One Tree Hill in the fourth square. Like, they just, they cannot do it right. Quinnipiac against Bryant is is the big game, you know, like it's been like, it's been that bad. Um, but anyway, okay. Um, and one last round Robin game, App State against Troy, Troy minus six, 52 and a half. I know nothing about these two teams this year. Um, yeah, no clue. Ryan, go ahead. Uh, it's Troy uh, minus six fifty two and a half. I, I haven't watched either at all. I like Troy. I like Troy a lot, actually. I think they're the more physical team. App State, you know, they like to run around, throw the ball a bit, score some points. I think Troy is the more physical team. And more importantly, they are the more southern team. So when two teams like this play, you go, which team is more south? Troy? That's a great theory. Take Troy. So I'm going to just every ta- every hold on real quick. Right, every time that you say the word Troy, I don't think about football. I think you're thinking about talking about Trey from Fish that we joke we call him Troy. So you're like Troy is going to be shredded on Saturday night. So anyway, uh, Tom, you got any pick in this game? Uh, yeah, give me App State and the points. I think Troy's the better team, but App State is always feisty, and they're coming off their big upset over JMU, so they've got momentum. I'll take six points. I'm going with Troy. I, I I convinced myself. So if I bet the game, I can go, yeah, Troy. Yeah. Do it, Troy. So that that's what, that's what's going down. Um, okay. That's also at 2 o'clock, um, which means there's three games at 2 o'clock, which allows for Quinnipiac, Bryant, or like the – like whatever. Anyway, moving on. Okay, here we go. So Saturday night, last two games. I hate this Saturday night slate. It sucks. Um, Michigan, Iowa, Big Ten title game. I'm going to give you four lines to choose from in this game. Five lines for you to choose from in this game. Michigan minus 21 and a half. Total 35 and a half. Iowa team total six and a half. Iowa first half team total a half point. Iowa team total really? second half a half point. You could bet the Iowa team total of a half point at minus 130 to the over of either half. Oh my goodness. I did not know that. I think we have to do it, right? Even if it's not the smart play on paper. I don't know. I, I, I'm thinking about betting the under in the first half and the over in the second half. I think... I think they're going to kick a field goal just so they don't get shut out in the second half. I think it's, it's going to be. I think it's the opposite. Forty-two-three. All right, go ahead. Jesus Christ! Maybe you're right. That's my exact score. Exact score. But I think it's going to be three nothing Iowa, and then oh. forty-two unanswered. It kind of feels like I was going to go three and out punt, but the punts are going to go thirty-five yards. They're going to Michigan player in the back. They're going to muff the punt. Iowa's going to, they're going to have a classic or, or Michigan will get ball first and like fumble or Iowa Cooper Dijon picks them off on the 13 yard line. And it's going to be the classic Iowa drive. They start on Michigan's 13. 
they go backwards 13 yards in three plays, and then they kick like a 45-yard field goal from the, right. you know, 30-something, and then they never score again. All right, Tom. So which of those five bets do you like the most? So, uh, <laughs> well, Michigan minus 21. Like I said, 42-3. I can't believe you said that because that is my exact score I've been thinking of all week, and I have not wavered. So Michigan minus 21 and a half. Maybe even an alt line higher. Uh, the over, sadly, Iowa's under streak doesn't work against good teams. Um, I will take an Iowa second half zero point team total. I guess I'll go over first half. They'll get wow. one score. And then what was the other one? Second half. Yeah. Get, or uh, or uh, the total. Well, so yeah, three three points oh, oh, three oh, points oh, oh. in the first half, zero points in the second half. The combined Iowa team total six and a half. Oh well, under obviously. <laughs> That's so crazy! It's so crazy. Brian, how much of this game will you you be watching? And do you have any thoughts on any of those questions? Yeah, I'm going to answer both with the same <laughs> the same answer zero that will be iowa's team total in both halves that will be how many minutes of this game the i ryan watch. the ryan spillet uh over under of minutes first and second half is also 0. 0.5 correct and guess what i'm taking the under on both i think you're gonna no i, nope, I think you're zero. gonna slip up i think you're gonna watch one minute I, I don't think he will. Zero. I know I him. You'll 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 sit game. on a remote or something, or you'll accidentally flip to it and go to get a drink, and you'll come back and be like, "What? What the hell is this doing on?" Nope. That I'll counts. be watching NBA <laughs> if it's on TV. Even if you're that. out of the room, it counts. He's not, not going to happen. Not going to happen. I will watch zero minutes of this game. I will. Iowa will score zero points in this game. It will be thirty-eight nothing, Michigan. Penn State beat them 31-0. Michigan's going to one-up them 38-0. I like it. I'm pretty sure that Michigan is going to cover this spread like 95% of the time. Like Harbaugh's back. They're going to be all fired up. Oh, yeah. Like, why am I not doing a Michigan-Tulane-Alabama? Well, I'll, I'll leave Alabama out of it just for to be nice. But a Tulane-Michigan parlay for all the money. I don't see how that doesn't come in. Well, you, you could do a nighttime parlay or I guess a, mm-hmm. you know, late game parlay. Cause I got another one for you. Okay. Is, well, and then, and then we could do this and add this money line here on here right now. Last game, Louisville, Florida state from Charlotte, North Carolina, Florida state minus two and a half points, total 47 and a half points. Clearly the story in this game is Jordan Travis not being, uh, active. Also, the fact that Jack Plummer from Gilbert, Arizona, has found a home on the Louisville Cardinal and is leading them to 10 wins this year somehow. Um, I saw some of the Florida Florida State game. Wasn't too impressed with the new quarterback. Um, I haven't watched a minute of Louisville this year, so I don't know if they're any good at all. I need some help. Uh, Tom, ACC, go right ahead, kick it off. Yeah, I love this bet. I 
I don't disagree that I didn't think Rotomaker was great, but I was impressed at how he came in in his first start and managed the game well and utilized the talent around him on that Florida State team. Florida State, Jordan Travis was awesome, but there's they're a really good team and they've got a lot of talent besides Travis. On the offensive side, those receivers are great, good running game, and their defense played great against Florida. I was actually impressed seeing them play Florida. Like I thought they were going to lose then. And when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this team's actually going to go undefeated and, um, force the committee again to make a tough decision. The fact that the line's only two and a half seems to me, you know, if this line was 10 or something like that, then I'd have something to think about, but I love Florida state in this spot. Louisville gets overvalued. I think because of, um, the way they just crushed Notre Dame early in the year and everybody watched that game and, Everybody was kind of surprised and blown away by that. And uh, Brahm's been a great coach and has turned them around, but they're not at the same level as Florida State. So the ACC's just, you know, they're not that good. And Louisville, given a different schedule, probably would have like three or four losses. So they've been the beneficiary of some uh, easy scheduling and good luck, as has, you know, Florida State. But Florida State's actually got like NFL level talent all over the field. And I'll take them for sure. Guys, got a question for you here. What was Brahms MO when he was the coach at Purdue? Beating teams ranked in the top five. Once a year only, he would get the one big upset and people would all go, Oh, Purdue, maybe they've turned a corner. And then they lose three of their next four. That's what his MO is. That's the, what's going to happen here. They got their one big win of the year. They blew their load against Notre Dame. And that's the Purdue way. This is just Purdue South. See, like, I thought you were going to use that as the justification that they would beat Florida State. But I was also going to say, yeah, Notre Dame was that game for them, I think. Correct. They got their one big win, which is what he does. And then that's it. They haven't beat anyone else impressive. Florida State has talent everywhere. Norvell is the better coach. He's had time now to get his, his quarterback ready to create a, the right game plan. I think Florida State wins this game. I think they cover this game. And I think it's going to make it really, really, really hard on the committee because if they're undefeated, you have to put them in the playoff. You, you cannot leave an undefeated team out of the playoff. You can't. I totally agree with everything you said. And quick shout out for Jared Verse of the University of Albany, now a projected top 10 NFL pick. The greatest Albanian ever. I think you're right. I don't know who's going to win this game. Um, I like the under. That's all I like. Uh, I think it's going to be a low uh, slot fest. I think I I like that too. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. We've, I don't think that it's going to be offensive explosion. I think Florida State's defense knows they need to step up. I think Louisville will play conservative, waiting for Florida State's quarterback to make a mistake. I think the under is the right play. 20 to um, 13 sounds exactly right. Yeah, yeah like I was thinking like 24-14 sounds good. 19-16, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, give me a, um, a three-team parlay or tease of Tulane, Florida State, Michigan. That's pretty good. 
actually, I'd put like, the under. The under in this game is definitely yeah. what throw that in there for sure. The under the under in this Michigan and Tulane money line. That's strong. It's a strong parlay. Okay, well, we've made it through the, both the regular season and conference championship week. We are we are down to the Bowl Spectacular Part 1, 2, and 3 coming up uh, over the next five weeks or so. Looking forward to Bowl season. I feel great about Bowl season this year. I feel like I paid more attention this year to college football than I have maybe ever. And... Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the matchups. I'm excited that Illinois lost and they will not be playing in a bowl game in Arizona. So that's good. Hey, Dan, glad you brought up Illinois because we forgot something. We forgot a tarmac report. No, oh, thank you. We're not, this isn't over yet. I didn't know if it was coming, but I'm so glad. It wasn't going to, but then Dan, like in Pee Wee's Playhouse, said the magic word. And I got all excited. So are you going to, are you going to freestyle this one? No, we're going to bang this out real quick. I got a notebook, Tom. Come on. Number five, the aforementioned brought by Lemma. You should not survive this off season. Oh boy. Number four, this will excite Tom. Let's go ahead and open up Joe Moorhead's employment and see if he can be uh, available for his beloved Nittany Lions because Akron sucks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Coming in at number three, we have Lyle Allen Jones. Do you guys know who Lyle Allen Jones is? He's a 1960s country singer. Dan, do you know who Lyle Allen Jones is? Nope. Oh wait, I do know who this is. This is Butch's correct name, right? If you were named Lyle Allen, would you prefer to be called Butch? Because he does. I prefer to call him unemployed. Butch Jones, you're back on the tarmac where you belong. Coming in number two, we have Kenny Burns, Kent State, the only team worse than Akron in the MAC this year. You cannot escape us. And before we go to number one, we have a special honorable mention of Sam Pittman slash Bobby Petrino. One of those two is going to get fired before we hit Halloween. Don't know which one. (laughs) Maybe both. Tom thinks it's Pittman and Petrino is going to be the thing. I think they hire Petrino just so they can re-fire him again. Like, um, I I mean, that's also correct. This is the Steinbrenner Billy Martin corollary where he's going to keep hiring him just so he could fire him again and then bring him back. And he's like, guess what? You're fired again. Uh, and at number one uh, on the tarmac, we're going down to the South Southern Miss Will Hall. Wow. Southern Miss used to be like a respectable team that we really, really enjoyed betting on in bowl season. And he has turned them, him along with Brett Favre and their welfare scam, whatever's going on down there. That place is rotten, and we need to start cleaning house at at Southern Miss Athletics in general. I'm glad we got a tarmac in this week where the bad teams aren't playing. I'm glad we could sneak it in. I have two questions, I guess, or comments. 
There seems to be a, a glaring omission from the tarmac all year long. I think he made it one week, but uh, Mr. Trent Dilfer was on our watch list at the end of last year. Mm. He seems to somewhat have escaped your tarmac despite doing an was, awful job. Yeah. He's ruining the legacy of Bill Clark. He will be on an early season. I'm giving him this. He was on the tarmac earlier this year for being a dick to his assistant coach. I'm just going to see how this thing plays out in the off season. If he loses like 30 guys to the portal. Yeah. He's going to be toast. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, I, I forget why, but I was, um, I was thinking like Travis Kelsey was on TV and I was like, I know he played at Cincinnati. I'm forgetting what years and you know, what coaches I'm like, was he at the Brian Kelly era? And I looked it up. He do, do you know his coach or two coaches at Cincy? Mm. Oh yeah. Um, one was, um, yeah, go ahead. Tell me, remind me. But so, I do, I so do one was, so he was recruited by Brian Kelly he didn't play much in his first two years. He had an injury, I think his sophomore year. So Brian Kelly was his first coach. And, um, but his breakout years is, you know, uh, 2011 and 12, Butch Jones, Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end in NFL history came from Ugh. Butch Jones. And then by the way, he left, but you know, right after Butch was Butch, uh, left since he for greener pastures. And then they hired Tommy Tuberville, so Cincy is really like, they're like a tarmac factory down there producing future tarmac people. <laughs> and by the way, let's, Tom, let's watch out for Luke fickle next year. Cause that's not going great either. Wisconsin sucks. Cincy is going to be, they're going to be like the breeding grounds of tarmac legends. You, you, you know that Brian Kelly actually tossed Kelsey off the team when he was there. Well, uh, yeah. So, Okay, that's what it was. It wasn't an injury. He got kicked off for a team violation or some shit, but weed. then he came back. Yeah. Yeah, he got he got kicked off the team for for getting arrested with weed. So, I mean, again, his brother kudos to Brian Kelly to for having the greatest uh, you know, tight end in NFL history and just being like, "Oh, you smoke marijuana, you got you're off the team. I don't need you." It's funny cuz he really only recruited them because of his brother. Mhm. And he only brought him back on the, like let him back on the team because of his brother. And then kind of funny that it turned out the way it did because yeah, he didn't want to recruit him and he didn't want to coach him, but he ended up stuck with him because his brother was really good. You know, the worst part of all this Taylor Swift overhype thing is, you know, we're Bills fans. So obviously we hate the chiefs and Travis Kelsey. The worst part of this has been finding out that Travis Kelsey might actually be kind of cool. He, is the worst you guys see you guys disagree, but like he's been saying all the right things. I like his, like, I like dumb guys who know they're dumb guys. So when he's just like, man, Taylor Swift is smart. I learn all these words and shit that I never heard. I find that, uh, nice. They were digging through his old tweets to find out if he was a bad guy. And, uh, they were all just stupid shit about like feeding squirrels, except one of them was just the lyrics to, uh, MGMT's electric feel. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying he might possibly be cool, which I do not like. I don't like him. I'm not going to say anything on the air. (laughs) I might get some more hate on Twitter. I I think he might be cool, which I don't like is what I'm going to say. All right. 
what else you guys want to talk about? You want to make some NFL predictions? Mm. Your Steelers going to sneak into the playoffs, Dan? Sneak in? We're going to win 11 games. Are you kidding me? It's don't so play anybody. As a Bills fan, 6 and They're going to lose this and, week to the Cardinals, though. As a, there's this weird Pittsburgh, Arizona thing, and Kyler is way faster than anyone on our slow defense. Mm-hmm. But then they play like Jake Browning again, and they play like Gardner Minshew, and they play the Patriots on Thursday. Like the Steelers are going to finish 11 and 6 and be the worst 11 and 6 team ever. And I'm, I'm and, and I'm here for it. So whatever. As a Bills fan, obviously I'm looking at like, can they still sneak into the playoffs? And it's looking kind of grim. But what makes it look so sucky or what maybe gives you hope is like you look at the teams in front of them. It's Indy, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. I'm like, come on, man. Like, are the Bills really going <laughs> to miss the playoffs and these teams are going to get in? Minshew and DTR are going to be in the playoffs. I think Josh so. Josh Allen's going to be at home. So I think, I think if the Bills are eliminated from the playoffs, having to play the Pats in a few weeks, I think they have to throw the game, right? We cannot have the yes. Pats getting Caleb Williams. No. You have to let Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones and his noodle arm like somehow get two TDs on you. Malik Cunningham is going to be the new quarterback for the Patriots. He's, he's, they, they brought him off the practice squad. He's he's ready to go. They got the fake Lamar Jackson, literally, <laughs> the Louisville quarterback in there. Um, I don't know. The NFL is horrible. This is by far the worst NFL year ever. I know I make fun of it every year, but this one's really bad. There's only three good teams. Three. Correct. Four, if you want to count the Cowboys. The Bills, like, the Buffalo Bills are the ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl, and they're not going to make the playoffs. There are no good teams. Like the fucking Chiefs are going to walk to the Super Bowl playing nobody. And yeah. then and versus the Eagles, the, the Eagles or Niners, Niners who are gonna, like have, that's it. You know, have good, both have really good teams with, you know, okay quarterbacks. The Cowboys are going to get the top wild card five seed. They'll play the NFC South champions. Yeah. In the no first one believes round. in them. They'll win. And then it'll be Eagles, Cowboys, second round. And like against like the winner of like Niners, like Lions or something like that. And the Lions are not going to go win at San Fran. It's just, it's like, you can just fast forward the next month of the year. Like we know it's going to happen. This is what drives me the most crazy as a Bills fan that the, the time they decided to choke and get injuries to every player and have horrible coaching is the time when the Super Bowl would be the most winnable. Like the field is winnowed so much. There's no one I'm scared of save for, you know, Mahomes, really. Who's going to be there every year? Watch out for those Steelers. All right. Let's let's all root for a Steelers. Who would be the the worst or funniest Super Bowl champion who's actually going to be in the playoffs? Saints Steelers. Like, or like, (laughs) uh, Saints Browns. Saints Browns. Oh, my God. Or Falcons. With with Jameis versus DTR. Yep. Falcons, Colts with Minshew and Ritter. Jameis, Jameis winning a Super Bowl would be awesome. I'm, I'm hundred percent. I love Jameis. Me too. I'm always, he's one of my favorite people ever. Like dudes from a super poor town in Alabama, national champion, Florida state first overall pick in the draft. He's rich. He's been like bouncing around. He's so funny on the sideline, mm-hmm. like in the locker room. I, I just, I, I love Jameis. He's, he's his, hysterical. His hard knocks description of 
the South versus the deep South versus the dirty South is still one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> it's three levels and he knows. And he described like, like by County, like which ones count as which. And then somebody's like, what about Miami? He goes, that's not the South. That's New York city. He's right. Speaking of hard knocks, another guy I hate to admit is cool is Mike McDaniels, who uh, is maybe the coolest NFL coach ever. Yeah, he, he because he's like us. He's just like a normal dude, but he's like kind of smart. He went to Yale and he thinks outside the box and actually actually like makes changes and like adjustments. Unlike these other morons like Matt Canada, who, you know, just was like, nah, we're just going to throw it, throw it to the to the sideline every play and run jet sweep. It's, it's amazing watching hard knocks and just clips, you know, he comes on there and he's like, he's talking about existential journeys. He's like, this is your journey. What do you want to make of it? And you have to, you know, you know, go deep within yourself, practice some meditation or whatever. And he's like, now here's our uh, DB coach. And the DB coach just comes out and he's like, you got to kill everyone, kill them. (laughs) Who's going to hit the hardest. Who's going to fuck up the other guy. And then he comes back. He's like, now, uh, when we play cover two, it's important to slide. It's like this guy, I don't know how he, I mean, I don't know how he made it to this level, but it's great that he did. And I also heard a a good story. I guess there's a stand-up comedian who grew up with him and he was on a podcast telling a story about how he used to play them in Madden or uh, not Madden, but like maybe tech mobile or something like that. He used to play against McDaniels when they were kids and McDaniels would always pick the Falcons with Dion. He would, um, you know, slide over to Dion. He would go way back and Dion was so fast in the game. It was like a glitch that no matter where they threw the ball, Dion could then run from the back of the, the like the center of the field to pick it off anywhere. And so the, the guy would get mad at McDaniels. He's like, you're cheating. And McDaniels like, Hey, I'm just uh, exploiting the game's flaw. That's, that's just <laughs> solid coaching. So like he was thinking outside of the box from age eight. Love it. Yeah, he's he's so cool. He's just uh, and he's awesome interview too. Like uh, there was a guy who was like, "So uh, a chains back this week. Do you see him getting like eight carries or like uh, more?" And he's like, "So how much money do you have on fantasy football?" And he says that to the reporter. That's exactly which, what the three of us would answer. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like instead of well, you know, well, it depends on game flow. Like that's what every other dickhead coach would say. Uh, he's like. So how much money you got on fantasy football, which is the correct reply. His th- I mean, we mentioned it on previous podcasts, but his uh, quip to the one guy about the uh, best statistical output through five weeks when he's like, oh, well, that's what we train yeah. for in the off season. That's exactly <laughs> so what I, I, that's the kind of dickhead thing I would say as a coach. So Love again, it. cheering for a Bills rival. I hate it, but I have to admit it. Hats off to McDaniel. All right, guys, who's going to win the college football playoff this year? Alabama. Ryan? Washington. Uh, I sadly th- am starting to think that Michigan's going to win it, and I fucking hate it. They are Possible. the best I've ever seen at manufacturing adversity and, per- and doing the, like, nobody believed in us stuff, which, as we all know, is the true heart of a champion, is making up reasons to get mad. From Michael Jordan to Tom Brady, all the greats figure out ways to get mad at nothing. And Michigan is the best I've ever seen at it. 
if Florida State loses this weekend, the Final Four is going to be incredible. I mean, it's going to be real, what, it Pac-12, matter. Michigan, and both SEC. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's any combination of Georgia, Alabama, Washington, Oregon, Texas, Michigan. Like those six teams, all every matchup's good. There is no bad matchup. By the way, the closest uh, projected line is Georgia, Oregon in the national title game. Georgia minus one and a half. Well, uh, as you said, we'll be back to talk about that. So, it's oh, gonna, you know what? Get there. I don't mean to extend this further, but very important. We are not going to do a show for Army Navy next week, but we've no. got a total right now sitting in an Iowa-esque 28 and a half. And mm-hmm. Dan, do you want to offer our pick, the same pick we give every year for Army Navy? I'm going to go contrarian. I'm going over because they're not uh, Iowa. Because Iowa is now the worst offense. There's a inverse theorem where now this game is going over just to prove Iowa literally is the worst. So final score, 20 to 17, flying way over the total. No chance. Over. Hey, I'm just telling you what's going to happen. This is my prediction, okay? It's just a prediction. Well, Dan, you're just such a hateful social media user. I can't take you seriously. 13-9. Ah, 13-10 was my prediction. Okay. Under every year. Hammer the under. You don't even have to look. All right, so uh, I guess we'll probably be off next week, and then we'll be back the following three weeks for our one, two, three bowl game spectaculars. So that's correct. You know, subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, and uh, you'll see it when we're when the games are out and when we get our asses around to doing it. But I'm excited because I agree. There's so much weirdness this year. There's those top eight teams are great, so we'll have some good New Year's Six games, and then everybody else could win or lose on any weekend. And so like anything could happen in the bowls. All right. Thank you for listening. <laughs> See you next time. It's too low because of Iowa. It should be yeah. 31. Doesn't it feel like Iowa owns the under 30 total? And it's like, it's almost sacrilege. I'm saying to somebody else. That's why it's going over. So only Iowa can do the under 30s. This is how it works. Yeah, maybe I'll take the point. Take the point. Take the point.